Welcome to another episode of Afterlife Mysteries. I am Kalila Smith, and joining me is my co-host, Billy Roberts, all the way from the UK. And we are going to be continuing our discussion from last week on the subtle anatomy. So welcome, Billy. Hi, how are you? Good day to you. Nice to be back. Nice to see you again, as always, as always. So we were in such a wonderful conversation last week, and there's just so much to this subtle anatomy. I mean, Billy's mentioned it in several of his books, and we didn't really even get, but to scratch the surface of this, because it is so detailed, but it's just so fascinating, and it's a part of, part of all of us, not just mediums. Every living being out here has this energy field and this RX uh, field that's going on. They've even photographed, um, if you look at the uh, aura photography, you can see uh, where they photograph leaves, trees, um, everything has has this energy to it. It's the universal life force. So, you know, Billy, um, I, I know that these things, you know, I've heard you say before that these things actually communicate the, the chakras and the nadis and, all communicate with the aura back and forth. Could you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, to, to begin with, um, uh, 30, 40, 50 years ago, the aura, the chakras, they were just a metaphysical concept. But now it's, it's a scientific as well as a metaphysical, because as you've just said, the aura can be photographed in color. Now, Semyon and Valentina Kellyan were the first ones to photograph a monochrome image using a very crude apparatus, which photographed the energy emanating from the hands. And they used it as a diagnostic tool because they worked out that the energy radiating from certain parts of the fingers equated to some kind of energy uh, levels in the body. And they could diagnose illness through it, or, or so they said. And then Walter Kilner, uh, a radiologist in um, St. Thomas's Hospital in London, he actually uh, created the Kilner screens. It was two glass uh, plates, a dikainin uh, or a coltar dye placed between it. And if you stood a person behind the screens, it enabled them to, to uh, enable you to see the aura, this emanation of energy. And he worked out that the, you know, the aura was much more than um, a, a vaporous mass. Where it was dark in places, he could work out that there was an, uh, a problem with energy flow. Now, the chakras, they seem to be, as I said last time, they, they, they're sort of mini transformers. They modify energy coming into the body, and it's their job to transmute it to, to uh, modify it and discharge it. Now, we, we know, don't we, that the aura is a, a sort of a, a medium through which the spirit world can communicate. But much more than that, it's not just for mediums, as you just said. Everybody has an energy field, and it's quite extensive. Now, if you look at a, a, a blind person, if you look at their aura, the aura is equal front and back, it's the same all around, it's an auric shell. But in the likes of you and me, who can see, albeit um, very little, um, my eyesight's terrible. 
all energy field is shorter in the front and more extensive at the back. And that's what enables us to feel people approaching us behind okay. when we can't see them. But with the blind person, it's equal all round, which enables them to negotiate their way around obstacles so they can sense things. And I've known some blind mediums who were quite exceptional in, in as much they could define, they could describe persons, the clothes they were wearing, the lady in the red coat, the lady with long red hair, because they just sensed it. So we know that the aura is a sort of a, um, it's a radar device. The chakras enable the energy to, to be discharged and enable an individual to communicate with uh, disembodied souls. Now also, with a lot of people don't understand that the, the chakras affect a person's gait, the way they walk, the way they, their body language. If you see a person walking down the street and he doesn't move his arms, his arms are just steadily held by his side, we call them the uh, Muladhara men. These are people who live solely in the Muladhara chakra. They don't think beyond that. And some people never aspire to, to grow uh, beyond the Muladhara chakra. And we said that, that a baby will have seven chakras potentially on its birth. <clears throat> and every year, another chakra begins to open. Now, when the child is seven, all the chakras are active. And it's in what we call full light. And I, I, just to remind you of what I said, our parents chastise us. They dress us in the clothes, the colors they think suit us, and they make us do exactly what they want. So our parents effectively, they program us. And we have to, and these chakras alter polarity, but the chakras affect the aura. They have a, an impact on the aura. So everything you do, every action you, you make, everything you, you uh, say, everything you do in life affects the, the polarity of the, the chakras and in turn that will affect the aura. Now if you're walking through a woodland um, by yourself, walking out with a dog or cat, whichever the case may be, and you're by yourself early in the morning, but there happens to be somebody a couple of uh, yards away, somebody who's watching you, not for any particular reason, but just aware of your presence and you are unaware of theirs. This will affect your gait. It will affect the movement of your limbs, the muscles. You'll find it very difficult to walk um, in a, a very quick way because your aura is affected. Your energy field extends to sense danger. So that, that, energy, that energy field extends quite a distance from you. But people who are um, mediumistically inclined, they tend to allow disembodied souls to infiltrate the Now, if you're not um, uh, experienced, if you're naive, God knows what you're allowing into your energy field because you need to have some kind of consciousness and awareness of what you're dealing with. 
and you know, not all spirits are good. Right. No, so that's that's, that's, that's very important. Yeah, that's we we've talked about that before with the vagabonds of the spirit world, and you know, this is why it's so important to understand how this works, especially if you're a medium or trying to be a medium, studying to be a medium rather, developing your mediumship. This is really important because that's the key right there to whether or not you're actually connecting with loved ones on the other side or you're just picking up earthbound spirits in your auric field. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a huge difference. Uh, a friend of mine who's a medium always says anybody can talk to the dead, but they're not necessarily doing mediumship. Yeah. And that's true. And and that's where because and these are the spirits that are actually going to present themselves as something else. Um, and I know so many people who are not mediums, but they work with the paranormal and they just they just suck right into this. And I'll have them. They'll, they'll tell me, oh, and the little boy was holding my hand and the little boy was here and the little boy was telling me this. And I'm like, that might yeah. be a little boy. okay? <laughs> that might be something totally different. But they, you want it to be that little boy. So it's going to present itself as that little boy and let yeah. you think that. And that's how it's going to get close to you and make that attachment. And that's what's so dangerous, Um, you know, not just for mediums, uh, because lots of times trained mediums are going to know the difference. It's, you know, people who are just walking into these paranormal situations with very little training. And and one of the things that I'm hoping it's changed, but I know in the very beginning, before all of these television shows, when they first were coming out, uh, there were so many people who said, you know, well, I just work with the scientific end. And I said, well, what does that mean? <laughs> and they said, yeah, well, yeah. I just work, I just work yeah. with the equipment. I take the equipment. I want the scientific uh, documentations, but I don't believe in all that supernatural stuff. And it's like, okay, what are you documenting then? Mm-hmm. What exactly yeah. are you documenting? Because you do realize that you're dealing with supernatural. And that's why I've always been a stickler when I taught, you know, paranormal classes and so mm-hmm. forth. And I'm sure you as, as well you have the scientific equipment to back it up, but you always have a qualified medium on staff that can interpret what's going on because otherwise you've just got people who are just blindly walking into a situation and they may be mediumistic and not know it. And they may be sensitive to psychic energy and confuse that as mediumship. So you've got all of this confusion, these these mixed messages coming into your auric field that you aren't trained to interpret. And that that's where it gets dangerous. Exactly. And I think also um, you have to define experienced medium. Because a lot of mediums put themselves on a pedestal and claim to be experienced. But it's only by observation. I mean, I, I've, I've found, I've been invited to many different groups. And the people in charge of these groups sometimes leave a lot to be desired. And I think to myself, well, you know, this isn't right. Because there is a, it's an emotional and psychological minefield. I mean, People can say what they like, but if you've got a history of mental problems or nervous problems, I always say you should not be involved in the paranormal until you've really, you know, cured yourself and and got yourself more grounded. Because it can precipitate a lot. It can open a can of worms and cause a lot of problems. And not all clairvoyance. Not all clairvoyants are mediums, and not all mediums are clairvoyant. 
right. And I always say right. a, a medium is damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. So it doesn't matter how good you are as a medium, you'll always get somebody criticizing you. Um, no. If you're terrible, people will criticize you as well. No, I don't so, know. Even if you're good, they're going to criticize you. There's, there's always you got the whole skeptic thing. Yeah. They're going to criticize either way. But you know, now what can someone do, whether they're a medium or not? What can people do to keep this relationship with the chakras and the aura healthy? Because if that, you know, as above, so below. If that, if you're not healthy in these energetic yeah. bodies and in this energy flow. You know, and that's what, you know, Ayurvedic medicine's all about, Chinese medicine's all about, you know, the meridians, everything. If the energy, on an energetic level, if you are not healthy, eventually that's going to work its way onto the physical body. Yeah, exactly. And it causes disease. And, yeah. and this is where, by the time it becomes, that's what a lot of people don't understand. You know, they'll say, oh, I'm sick, but I'm taking herbs. It's like, okay, no, that's preventative. By the time it comes into the physical body, and gets on an organ level. Exactly. It's it's already in the physical body. Yeah. You've you've got nothing but Western medicine and hope that it helps. So yeah. you know how do we stay healthy utilizing this knowledge with this communication that's going on with these these uh, subtle energies? Well, first of all, the mind is the common denominator. The mind is what controls everything, and meditation is probably the best way of stabilizing the aura and keeping it healthy. I mean, the, the yogi masters would advocate um, a cold salt bath or dipping into salty water, um, mountain water or whatever. Um, breathing is important. It's important for everybody. Right. Pranayama simply means the control of prana. But all the chakras, each individual chakra, um, relates to a, a geometric shape uh, called uh, a yantra or bija yantra. And then we have a sound that emanates from each chakra. Now this sound is called a bija mantra. Bija meaning seed. And a mantra is just a word that's repeated. And each chakra will have a different meaning, a different um, uh, yantra and a different bija mantra. Lam, Lam, Vam, Ram, Yam, Ham, Sham, Om. They're the, the seven uh, Bija mantras that can be recited um, in sequential order. You don't have to just, if you concentrate on one particular chakra, then you'll cause imbalance. But if you're not into all that, or the, the chanting, meditation is important. Whether it's a 10 minute uh, cycle or whether you, you can meditate for a half an hour, you need to turn off and focus your attention on the individual chakras. But I always, uh, in one of my books, I give the, the actual Lam, Vam, Ram, Yam, Ham, Sham, Om. But there are also things like um, different Buddhic um, mantras which can be used. The, um, I mean, you can look at them anywhere on, on the internet. Mm -hmm. But... Meditation is the only really way to stabilize, the only safe way of, of harnessing the energies that come in. Now, the other interesting thing, and again, this is my interpretation and my opinion, is that I said last week that the, the planet is a living organism. But the planet, if that's the case, then the planet too has chakras or similar 
energy points. Right. Now, these can be, um, in ancient times, they would build monasteries on ley lines because it was laid out perfectly. And they built monasteries and holy places on these particular points. Now, our chakras, I believe, are connected by some kind of umbilical cord to the planet upon which we live. And I do believe that development, when we develop our um, spiritual skills or mediumistic skills even, it's a way of working out our own karmas, working our way through these umbilical cords. Often we, we blame circumstances or other people for the things that go wrong in our lives. That's not the case. The responsibility is your own. You are the architect of your own destiny by the way that you think. So karma comes into it all. And the chakras play an important part in the manifestation of consciousness, the manifestation of your abilities. A policeman who is good at his job, everybody else is oblivious to the fact that this person did the, 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 the blag, did, did the robbery. But this one policeman is intent on catching the, the criminal saying, no, he's the perpetrator of the crime, and he knows he did it. That's because he functions in a particular chakra, perhaps the, the one of the, between the brows, which is called Ajna. And this is the intuitive chakra that develops in most people who work in that kind of business. A teacher who's good at her, his or her job will also have a very active chakra in the head. It's all to do with the head. And... Um, Certainly, uh, Ajna and Vishuddha is the chakra for listening, for hearing, not just supersensual sounds, not just hearing disembodied sounds, but also for listening to other things, listening to nature. Now, women more than men have something called peripheral hearing. In fact, the woman can be in a, <laughs> we've talked about this before, in a crowded room engrossed in conversation, but at the same time, she knows exactly what's going on in other areas of the room, so she can listen to different people's conversations. Mm -hmm. Women are good at that. <laughs> and that's to do with, again, it's to do with Vishuddha. A lot of um, clairaudient mediums, I've said before, have a thyroid problem, or they may have diabetes or pancreatic problems because it affects the, the hormonal system as well. And the chakras do have an impact and, and do affect the whole body, the way it moves. You can also tell the way a person moves. I, I suppose you've heard of kinesiology. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I used to be a massage, I used to actually not only be a massage therapist, but I taught in the That's massage right, therapy program. So yeah, That's yeah, right. absolutely, absolutely. Well, you can apply it, movement. apply it to the chakras. If you get the, the person to extend, say, the left hand and place the right hand on the chakras, starting with the one of the coccyx or the lowest chakra and working their way up, you'll see which one is weakest or which ones are strongest. And kinesiology is a very simple way of ascertaining which chakras are strong. And you said right. last week about um, dowsing them with a crystal. Or right. some other. That, yeah, that was one of the ways I I learned you can it, do, to, to you can see do that. which which way they were if they were open or closed. But I don't know that that was necessarily 
correct, you know? I mean, yeah, well, it's yeah, just, I mean, you know, it one way that somebody else was doing it. So I don't know. I didn't study it long, so, but... Um, I mean, it's a very effective way um, uh, in uh, holistic or complementary stuff. I mean, Merid everybody knows what a meridian is. You go to an acupuncturist if you've got migraine, and they will locate a certain zone in the body and alleviate the pain with a needle. Well, Nardis is very similar. Nard a meridian is the, the, the trunk of the tree, and Nardis are the branches of the tree. There are thousands of them permeating the body. So they're involved in the transportation of pranic energy. Now, prana is the subtle agent through which the life of the body is sustained. So the more prana that enters and remains in the body, the higher the quality of life. A reduction in pranic energy results in the lowering of your vitality and ultimately a deterioration in the quality of your life. So where there is no prana, there is no life. Now, if you pour yourself a glass of water, if you take the glass of water and pour it backwards and forwards through the air over and over again until the water almost sparkles, you're rejuvenating it, revitalizing it with the, the pranic energy. And you can drink that and you'll feel invigorated because it will invigorate the chakras. So there are lots of different... Um, self-help things you can use to, to help the chakra and, and the simulation of energy. All good stuff. Right, right. Now, I have a question for you because, you know, through the years, the many years that I've done the work with the paranormal and, um, you know, also working a lot with magic, which you and I are actually writing about right now, yeah. I, I've always stood firm with making sure that and and in the religious practices that i've been in you know the voodoo the santeria all of these things it was always very important to do these cleanses to do you know spiritual cleansing um to clear the auric field of things that might be stuck in there especially like you know attachments and just mm -hmm. negative residual energy it doesn't necessarily have to be an entity there's energy everywhere you go there's energy that's in the the atmosphere and it's going to have a tendency this is you know what i've been taught my whole life is that it's going to have a tendency to stick in that auric field and we do cleanses to clear that off now what are your thoughts about that i mean because you know i regularly use herbs oils uh, salts baths uh, smudges all of these things to really kind of clear that stuff out i mean um what are your thoughts on that well, I mean, you're right, because whatever works for you is the right way to do it. Um, you're right in, in saying that, you know, all, all these discarded emotions, these discarded thoughts, guarded by people from time immemorial, they're like germs, and they do cling to a weak aura. They will infiltrate and cause all kinds of problems, not necessarily... Um, physical diseases, but they can do. Uh, healers, and I'll probably get shot down for this, people who work in the healing profession, um, and I, I'm a registered healer, or I have been for some years. If you specialize certain illnesses, not a lot of healers to specialize, they won't even consider other treatments for other illnesses. 
they specialize in certain diseases, they often end up with that disease. Doesn't matter what it is. Yes. Yes. And it's like contagious. Oh, absolutely. I've seen that time and time again. Absolutely. So you're right. And I think smudging oils, burning oils, I said the mind is the common denominator. You do have to cleanse yourself. And it doesn't matter how you do it, as long as you know it works for you. Now, the problem we have as mediums and radical mediums, because you and I are quite radical in our approach, you know, we, we don't conform. I certainly don't. You get shot down. You don't either. You no. get shot down by other mediums. You'll always be criticized. And if enough of them gang up on you, it affects you a little bit. And I have had this all, all my working life. But it, you know you're right. And you know it works for you. And I've always known it works for me. Sometimes um, it doesn't work fast enough. But as long as it, you've got the right way, the right thing, the right process, and it works for you, then it doesn't really matter. People have their own methods of working. Um, but you do need to cleanse yourself every so often. And uh, the mind is the common denominator. You cleanse the mind in any way that suits you and will work for you. Meditation is very healing. And if you don't like meditation, if you can't sit still, a lot of people are like, I can't sit still. I can't still my mind. It takes years to be able to still your mind. I mean, when I studied Shiatsu, it was like, they said, you have to have an empty head. And we were all like, what? Empty head? Yeah, you have to have an empty head. Yeah. And we were specifically trained on how to focus. And, and, and it is difficult. But, you know, if you don't like that, you know, you can do Tai Chi. Tai Chi is meditation in, in motion. Yeah, cool. yeah. Yoga. Yoga is, I mean, I do yoga. It's amazing to get yeah. you to that point because it literally aligns you body, mind, and spirit. You become completely centered and everything is yeah. aligned. And that's when you're in that meditative state and you don't necessarily even realize it. But you can really do a lot with the yoga. And if you're doing the pranayama breathing while you're doing the yoga, that's even better because that's going to distort, charge that energy. But, you know, I have found, and, and this is what I've told a lot of people, you know, if you're, you're doing paranormal investigations and you're out here and you're going into these places and you're, you're opening yourself up to, to who knows what, and you're picking up this, you know, residual energy, you know, we're not talking about attachments, just, just energy that's, that's, that's left mm-hmm. from other people. And if there's an energy exchange going on constantly at all times in the universe, so you're picking up this stuff from other people and places and, you know, when you get out of your car, and I tell nurses this too, who work like in emergency rooms and, you know, where they're around the sick and the dying, you know, when you get out of your car, and this is one thing that I do, no matter where I am, the minute I get out of my car, I kick, I take my shoes off and I stand on the earth. I stand on the ground and I do a little, a few breathing exercises and I visualize all of that going into the ground. You ground it. And, and that's a good yeah. way to kind of discharge it because you don't want to yeah. bring that stuff into your home. Because then what happens when you get in your home, it's affecting the other people around you because again, everybody's auric field is connected and, and, and intermingling and you're bringing stuff I, into them. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of people, I have been criticized for that. A lot of people have told me, oh, you're just scared. You don't want to do it. And it's like, no, 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 no. Trust me, I understand the mechanics behind all yeah. of this. 
you know, like I'd get a call and they're like, well, um, you know, I, I've got something in my house and I really need you to check it out, you know, but I was doing a satanic ritual and I go, uh, mm, mm, no, yeah. no, mm -mm, no, uh, not my demon, not my problem. And they're like, well, you scared? And it's like, I'm not qualified to handle that. I'm not qualified to ride that stallion, okay? You need to call somebody else because I know what will happen if I walk into that. Yeah. What, you know, what am I taking home to, to my health or my family? my animals, I mean, all, everything's going to be affected by my exposing myself to that. And so I have that, you know, the, you know, the, the 10 foot rule, I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole. We're not, I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. And and that is why, because I do understand the mechanics behind it and what it's going to take to clear myself and how easily that can make someone sick. So it's like, no, not doing it. <laughs> so, yeah. And I've been criticized for that because people are like, oh, well, you know, you just don't want to do it. No, you're right. I don't want to do it. And I'm not the one that opened that portal and I'm not going to be the one to come in there and close it. So, um, but, you know, and I've been criticized a lot for that kind of stuff. But, you know, you have to know where to draw your line and you have to understand that everything is not physical, that all of this stuff that's unseen, you know, this is what you're, this is what you're playing with and you're, you're dealing in an unseen world. Yeah, exactly. And you have to understand how what's going on in this unseen realm. These things that you're not seeing are still happening, whether you believe in them, whether you know about them, whether you see them, doesn't matter. This is what's going on, and this is what's going to happen if you neglect it. You're really only as strong as your weakest point where disembodied right. entities are concerned. That is absolutely um, right. And you have to prepare yourself for all eventualities. Now, regarding the, I, I spoke up very quickly about the Nadis. There are three major Nadis, which are considered primary. And these are Ida Nadi, Kingala Nadi, and Sushumna Nadi. Now, Kingala Nadi is the male aspect. It's connected to the right nostril and controls the left side of the brain. Ida Nadi is the female aspect. It's connected to the left nostril and controls the right side of the brain. Now, Sushumna Nadi extends from the brow chakra right to the Muladhara chakra at the base of the spine. And the other two, serpentine, they, they cross over it, touching each chakra en route. And it's important that when you're doing certain kinds of meditation to be conscious when the air is flowing freely through your nostrils, that it is going somewhere down these channels. And you can give it a positive color, like white. We, we said last time, white light, but breathe it in and make sure it's being transmitted around the body, transported around the body to the different chakras. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're aware of that, you, you'll know that you're doing some good. And you can do that before you go to bed at night. Just You only spend 10 minutes just being conscious of the three different channels. And these channels play an important part in the manifestation of your development, your personal growth and development. The other thing, which I should have said, I, I did say, but you need to, you got to have broad shoulders uh, as a medium. And I regard, well, my wife regards myself as a, a veteran medium now. You, you reach a certain age and you call a veteran medium. She's very cruel to me. <laughs> but you, you tend to, you know yourself, you've seen many different things. It's probably different in, in America, 
than it no, is it's in not. the UK. No. It's, I think it's worse here. I really do. Yeah. I, I think, I, yeah, I do. I think there's so many strains of um, uh, mediumship that are blended with other things okay. here. Yeah. And, and you, you know, it's it's just like you're, you're, you're broadcasting there. Every You've got a lot more restrictions and a lot more integrity and a lot yeah. more, you know, uh, especially. In, and then with mediumship, I mean, you've got the spiritualist church there that kind yeah, of that's sets the guidelines for everything. Yeah. And they're, they'll, they'll jump up and go, nope, nope, that's not right. So yeah. you have, I think you have a lot more structure. I shouldn't say restrictions, but you have a lot more yeah. structure over there. Over here, it's just like, you, you know, I'm a medium. I'm a I'm a Reiki master. Yeah. I'm this. Yeah, I'm that. I just saw. I even saw somebody yeah. advertising, and they yeah. called them. I don't remember the name of it, but they said I'm such and such monk, and it was like, okay, <laughs> you're a you you're not that monk because you would have trained for that your whole life, and you're not in Tibet. I mean, it's yeah. like that's that's absurd. And the, and the title that they used was specifically for a male priest. And I was like, okay, you're not you really aren't that they would not have made you that and you wouldn't have. And it was like, wow, you know, all of this jack of all trades going on, you know. Yeah. And um, I don't think do y'all have that there. Is that? Um, yeah, well, it's the same everywhere, isn't it? I mean, when I when I started working in spiritualist churches, um, I was thrown into it. I was about 1979. Um, and I really started to get known in spiritualism around 1981. And then you couldn't talk about, I, not that I did, but you couldn't use tarot cards or speak about tarot cards. Even the aura was very furtive. It was very people, what they knew about the aura, they kept to themselves. But today is different. I mean, they'll have psychic fairs now. And a lot of spiritualist churches will allow people giving readings with tarot cards and crystals and any other way you can glean information from. Oh, absolutely. Find, and, go ahead. I was just going to say, I find it all a bit humorous in some way uh, because it's taken, not all churches are the same. I've got to say that there are some far-seeing um, spiritualist churches in the UK, um, very modern approach to, to uh, development and, and spiritualism, and I could name them, but I could name them on one hand, right? Uh, which right. I won't do. No, no, but, don't. But no, no, here it's 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 the same way here, and, yeah. and actually, you know, I I I find it more sad than humorous because what a lot, you know, like you obviously know much more more than I do from what yoga I've studied. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know all the Indian names for stuff, you know, and it, it, people just learn to scratch the surface on a lot of these things. And they really don't understand the behind the scenes, the, you know, the energetics behind it. And honestly, if you don't study those Eastern philosophies or yeah. other things like, you know, if you're going to study Western stuff, the Western esoterics, um, which is, you know, part of what you and I are writing about right now. Yeah. And it's like, if you don't understand the energetics of any yeah. of this, yeah, it, it, none of it's going to make sense. I mean, I've studied this stuff for decades and just in researching yeah. for the book that we're working on, I'm finding out all that other stuff that I did not know the origins yeah. of where a lot of this stuff comes from, you know, and it's all coming from the East or the Middle East. And, yeah, I mean, and then it's going being brought back yeah. to the to the Western world, but it is universal. It is absolutely exactly. universal. So if oh. you look at 
Ayurvedic medicine. If you look at Chinese medicine, yeah. you know, they're not identical and they have different names for things, but there's a parallel that's going on. Yeah. And there's also a very thin line between healing and spirituality. That's, you know, yeah. it's very, very connected. And if you look at these indigenous tribes, you see the same thing, but it all leads back to this energy, exactly. whether you call it prana chi, yeah. universal life force, whatever you want to call it, it all leads back to that and understanding what's going on in that invisible world. And if you don't, you really don't. I, mean, I hate to say, I don't want to say you don't know what you're doing, but you don't understand the mechanics behind it or the implications of what's going exactly. on. And exactly. that's where you can step into yeah. a situation that you don't know how to get yourself out of. I agree with you. And I, I, to quote a, a biblical quote, Jesus said, look to the east from whence cometh, cometh all light. And everything we know today, the aura, chakras, everything originated in the East, Eastern traditions. There is a psychology behind it all. And I, in the centers that I've run, people have come up to me in my classes and said, but you have to know all the terminology, all the Indian terminology. And I, I said, well, you don't have to, but then mnemonic, then mnemonic ideas, mnemonic pegs, so if you uh, make an effort to learn by rote all the names, the Indian names, then you'll find other information will attach to them. You'll find you'll be amazed at what you do know and what you've you know you've learned over the years. So it's not absolutely essential, but um, Buddhist um, Buddhist and Hindu um, philosophy, the fundamental principles underlying all religious beliefs and i i'm more the follower of as you are of buddhism om mani padme om there's another um uh, uh mantra which is very meaningful the jewel in the lotus and your mind can do all kinds of strange things amazing things and the you know in in yoga you don't you you do it for, as a physical discipline a mental discipline as well but it's also to, to reach samadhi, or what the Hindus call siddhis, which are the psychic abilities. And if you do yoga and you practice all the asanas and all the different hand gestures, the mudras, you'll find that you will develop abilities that you didn't think you'd develop. And these are the siddhis. These are the unusual abilities that a lot of the fakirs, a lot of the, the adepts and sages, um, developed over the years. And once you've got those, you don't need to use them for, for good reasons. Many people prostitute their abilities by exploiting them, and it'll always come back on you. I mean, the law oh, of karma is always in operation. Oh, so it's a fascinating thing. And, you know, Buddhism, it, oh, the interesting thing is, um, one of the methods, and you've probably done it in yoga, is a lighted candle. If you stare at a lighted candle and make sure the, the, the lighting in the room is subdued, you stare at the candle for as long as you can, you resist the temptation to move your eyes away or close or blink. When you can't look at the flame any longer, you close your eyes, you apply your hands to your eyes and you apply a little bit of pressure to the eyeball and you wait for the after image to appear on the lens of your eye. 
Now, that will eventually disappear. But you do that three times. And eventually, if you do it every day, you'll find that this image, this after image, won't disappear because it affects the image-making faculty of the brain. And it will help you with any latent abilities that you, you might have. In Hinduism, it's called the, the Kasina. No, sorry, Tratak. In yoga, Tratak. But in Buddhism, it's called the Kasina, the after-image process. And it's, it's a, something I've used for, for many, many years. And I've always found it quite effective. It's, it's very much like looking at the crystal ball, uh, using a crystal ball, which is effective too. So there are many well, things. The, yeah, sorry. With the, um, oh no, I'm sorry. With the, with right. the flame, with relationships that are flame, for, the, for those people who really are kind of like, wait, what are, where are they going with all this? It, when you're focusing on the flame, you know, it's just like, you know, like I said, we're writing about magic. When you do magic, you know, lighting a candle, these things are, the, the tools are not magic. It is a tool of focus. You're focusing on the flame. Yeah, and cool. you do that. Um, I've, yeah. I've taught people to use that to focus, to be able to develop their, their uh, psychic abilities. Yeah. Uh, you know, you do it in magic. And the whole point of getting that impression to where when you close your eyes, you're seeing it in that third mind. That yeah. is what you focus on when you're trying to meditate. The whole point is focusing on something like that, whether it be that. I mean, I was taught in shiatsu, you know, you look at your, your thoughts as clouds and you, fo you you see them floating away, floating away. And yeah. the point of it is to get to that point where that flame that you see in your third eye is all you see and no other thoughts enter in your head. And that's when you know that you are in transcendental meditation is when you've got nothing else going on and you literally exactly. are in that moment and it's just a tool and you can use you know other tools too but that is a great tool that's awesome it's ideal for quietening the mind and mm -hmm. making it more focused a western guru by the name of dr mumford actually popularized that he made it very popular in yoga and he wrote a, a paper on, uh, I forget what it was called now, but it was to do with complementary colors. He believed that when you close your eyes to a certain, if you look at something which is red, effectively, when you close your eyes, it will reverse, it will be blue. If you look at something white, you close your eyes, it's black and you close your eyes. Everything has a complementary color. And he believed oh, that the colors the colors that when you close your eyes, they're the, the real colors. That's the astral color. And you learn a lot about the, the aura through it because it teaches you that the aura, when you look at the aura, people say, well, I can see the aura, but they can only see a minute part of it. And sometimes the aura is influenced by the color clothes you wear. For an example, if you're wearing a red dress and you look at the aura, you might see a lot of blue in the aura because it's influenced by the color oh. you're wearing. So you have to learn to eliminate the colors that you're wearing. And we are affected by color. Your aura is affected. People like to wear the colors they, they like. They enjoy wearing, say, the color blue, so they wear it all the time. That's not the way it should be. Sometimes you have to break the barrier and wear the colors that you don't like wearing. And that will also change the polarity of your aura, your energy field. 
not easy to do wearing colors you don't like but if you do do it you'll you look down at your dress then didn't you to see what color you were wearing. yeah it's like wait what am i wearing oh yeah purple yeah <laughs> i tend to wear pinks and blues and um i find it very difficult because if you look in my wardrobe everything is pink and blue and I, so i leave it to my wife really to to buy the colors that she thinks i look well in and then we're going back to our childhood then our parents influences and programmers so you know the, the chakras are programmed to think in certain ways and this is why people grow up they, they don't move from the same the environment they were born and bred in they stay there they get a job there they buy a home there very few people break away from the tradition of their childhood and if you do break away from it and move to a different area even a different country you'll find your, your life will change on all levels you'll think in a different way and, and it's true um but I, I find the whole subject fascinating don't you oh it's, it really is and it's so helpful i mean you know these a lot of this stuff i i, I a lot of the, the the knowledge that you have i don't have but a lot of this things i started studying many many years ago when i was in school and I mean, these are things I use on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm constantly falling back on that. And it's helped me immensely to develop that mediumship and the psychic abilities and all. Um, I didn't, I was born with a lot of it, but you know, we always say we develop what we were born with. And I was born with a lot of it, but it was energy all over the place. But it was really when I started studying to be, you know, the healing techniques is when I really started fine tuning some things. And I really started, I didn't set out to go, Oh, I think I'm going to go be a medium and all that. Actually, yeah. when I was when I was studying to be a massage therapist, and I had got, or I was already licensed, and I was still in an advanced program, I started noticing. Make a long story short, I started noticing that I had a problem with putting my hands on people, and I was going to these conventions, and I was working on people like these fast little mini massages, and I was coming home, and I was like, I don't know what I feel. I can't. Just, I can't tell, I have a weird emotion and I can't figure out what it is. And finally I realized it wasn't my emotion. That's why I didn't recognize it. And I was literally picking up these, you know, as these people were relaxing, their emotions and their stress was coming off and I was soaking it up. And it got to the point where I was like, uh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to put my hands on people. And um, I tried my hand at, you know, talk therapy because I was also studying to be a Gestalt therapist. And they put me in my, you know, a training in a room full of depressed people and even not touching people, just being in this room full of these people, I was coming home. I was like, okay, I'm still picking up people's emotions. Mm -hmm. And I actually, uh, I wound up walking into one of the uh, stores, one of the um, esoteric stores in the uh, French quarter. And it was a place called Mystic Curio. And the gentleman there was like so many generations, a druid. And I walked in and he took one look at me and he said, come here. And he says, you look exhausted. And I said, I am. And he took a crystal. This crystal had to be this big. And he took it and he stuck it on my head like this. He says, now breathe. And he left it there mm -hmm. for a few minutes. And when he finished, it was like, I mean, I felt this charge just come through me and he literally cleared everything with that crystal. And he's like, don't do any of that. Again. Whatever it is you did to get that, just don't do it again. 
and mm-hmm. and that just pulled me closer into more of the paranormal stuff and the occult stuff because it was just amazing because the minute I walked into his shop he saw it and and he cleared it away immediately and I, I was just completely amazed by that but we're actually running out of time again we, the time goes wow. by so quick we're talking about this stuff it's fascinating um but if you want to learn more you want to see more of the shows uh you can always find me on facebook um i've got uh this new orleans medium kalila smith you can like the page you can also uh friend me directly at kalila one facebook.com kalila one and um billy's on twitter right now right uh, how do they find yes. you i'll be back on facebook it's and he's gonna be back CMI. on facebook face yeah. face facebook's he's having a little trouble technical issues with his facebook yeah. but you know it's billy roberts and um definitely uh, i've got a page called afterlife mysteries come and like the page um you know we do a lot of discussions on there and so forth but uh i want to thank everybody for coming out and joining us again for another episode of Afterlife Mysteries. And I hope you will join us again next time when we explore some more Afterlife Mysteries. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you.